Hey guys, welcome to episode number 26 of the Jay's Little Podcast. And this one's going to be a little different and it's going to be a little special to me. Last Friday, I got to accomplish a dream and run a professional IMSA race. And that's only because of the people in this group and our fearless leader, Mr. James Marcellana. So in this episode, my friend Rick is going to actually interview me on my thoughts on the weekend. It was a little tough. Uh, I'm not going to lie. As, as much of a success as it was, uh, there were some errors on my part and um, didn't quite get the result we wanted. But you'll hear why I think it was still a huge success overall and why I'm so incredibly proud to race for a team like AOA and have friends and, in this case, a sponsor uh, with you guys and the entire Jay Zilla family. So uh, heartfelt message to you guys, and, and you'll hear me talk a little bit more about it with Rick, but I was immensely proud to wear our logo on my suit, have it on the side of that car, and it was an honor of a lifetime. And again, it was a privilege to represent every single one of you, all 2,601 of you guys that are members of our group. So um, I did the best I could. I hope I uh, made some of you guys proud. And to everyone that showed support, uh, I will really never be able to thank you guys. And um, it's something that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And I appreciate all the messages, the texts, and uh, still even today, a couple hours, uh, a couple days after the event, um, it's still a little out of the body experience, so to speak. And, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. I, I know Rick's had some, uh, some good questions lined up and, uh, hope you guys enjoy my thoughts and uh, a little bit of the ride of what was Petit Le Mans 2020 from my perspective. The Jay Zilla podcast with Rick and Gino. guys welcome to episode 26 and in this episode a little different i guess i'll actually be the subject because this is the what is it the tuesday after uh the big imsa race where uh, i actually got to start an imsa race and uh, and make the the dream come true so to speak and uh, i'm happy to share this experience with you guys this is like the first time i really talked about it and this is probably like, the most fitting place to do it uh since you guys are my family and uh, who better interview to interview me than my co-host, Mr. Rick Stengard, and I would assume you're still up in Atlanta. So, Rick, what's going on, and uh, how are things up there? Well, you know, I'm recovering from a great weekend. Spent a day at Porsche, spent a day at ExoFest with Jay Zilla, and uh, I'm just recovering from that. So I can only imagine what it means to recover from almost a full week of race shenanigans. Well, yeah, it was uh, it was quite the five days, uh, you know, but um, before we get started, I, I do just want to say thank you to every single one of you guys that sent me a text, uh, came and saw me in the pits, um, just everything. I, I really won't lie. Uh, I think it was probably Thursday after qualifying um, where I read a lot of the stuff and I really had to kind of take a minute and collect myself because it was just really cool. You don't really know who supports you. 
until you find out. And, and it's uh, it was really cool. So I just want to send that first thank you out to everyone. And sincerely, I mean it. If uh, if I saw you, didn't get to see whatever you guys did to kind of help with this. And uh, um, believe me, every single bit of it uh, hit me. And um, I, I really do appreciate it. But uh, Rick, I guess you got some questions you want to get started off with and uh, send some stories to hear. Definitely. Well, let's frame this whole, uh, it was a, basically a week-long adventure. Uh, let's frame this whole thing up from showing up and qualifying, running an IMSA race, all the way through to WRL and, and what you guys did over there, and then finally decompressing. But give us the 30-second version, because you could tell the whole story from that, but give us the highlights, uh, the big events, the things you did, and then we'll drill into some of the specifics. Yeah, I, I guess I'll kind of give you guys a schedule. It might be tough in 30 seconds, but uh, here we go. So, um, obviously because I'm like everyone else, I have a day job. So I was at work, uh, you know, selling cars like I, like, like I should be. And that was on Tuesday. Um, I left work early Tuesday to go on my vacation, so to speak, which is what I called it. Um, and left Jacksonville Tuesday night, um, drove up to Atlanta and I got to Atlanta about 10 o'clock at night Tuesday. And, um, I figured, Hey, the guys will probably still be loading up the IMSA truck going to Atlanta and also loading up our other two haulers that were going to Halle uh, for the weekend WRL. So I get to the shop around 10, and uh, the first thing I notice is they look like they're a little behind schedule. Um, so I stay there, help them load up. Um, we get the trucks off going to Halle, and I still need to load up my car for, uh, for the, IMSA, the IMSA race. The only thing is, obviously, we're really new to this, so a lot of the parts we needed for IMSA – just had just arrived that day in fact one of the parts was a driver id module that imsa required and we didn't get it uh shipped out to us in time so i actually had to have a friend of mine in charlotte drive that tuesday he left charlotte at six in the morning um, and brought the part to us in atlanta so we could install it that tuesday before we had to hit the track wednesday so uh, we get the Halley truck off, and I, and I look at the car, and we still need to get all this driver ID and this transponders in. So uh, me and John stay at the shop uh, till about 3 in the morning. And uh, if any of you guys follow me on Instagram, you'll see at about 2.45, we finally got the driver ID to work where the lights on the side of the car turned on. So uh, we're at 2.45. This is Wednesday morning, basically. Uh, I run to my hotel, take a shower. Um, drive right back. I don't sleep at all yet, and uh, jump into the truck and follow us because we had to leave at five in the morning to be at Road Atlanta. So this is Wednesday, five in the morning. We get there, uh, we check in. Uh, there's a test Wednesday afternoon. We have to get ready for. We have to run the car through tech. Uh, the following Thursday, there was two practice sessions with a qualifying and final tech. Uh, the race would have been Friday at 3:30. Um, to 5.30. After 5.30, we had to be at the airport by 8 p.m. Uh, to make our flight for Oklahoma. We make it to Oklahoma at 11 o'clock at night local time there. I start the race Saturday morning at 8 in the morning, um, and then we run that eight-hour race, go back to the hotel, we swap a transmission, um, and then start the Sunday race at even earlier. I think it was 7 Finish that race, go back to the hotel, fly home Monday morning, back to Atlanta. From Atlanta, I drive to Jacksonville, so I'm home by last night, which would have been Monday night around midnight, and I'm at work Tuesday morning at 8. So that's kind of the rundown of my schedule, um, but there was a lot that happened in between there. So um, I think it was like seven states I was in, something crazy to, to make this all work. And um, I really haven't stopped moving until probably right at this point that I'm, I'm talking to you guys. That's so. pretty amazing. And I figured something out while you were talking, Gino. 
I figured out how you cram just so much lap into such a small lap time. You just ignore the 30 (laughs) seconds, don't you? Well, you know, you kind of have to. And so the funny thing about this was we had this crazy idea six months ago when this when this crazy idea came about. Um, and, and I never really thought we'd make it work. And, um, it, it was really a test of the team because we had to split up the groups and, uh, mind you, we're a small operation, so we're not, you know, again, a huge, you know, race organization. And it was so bad that the crew uniforms we used at the IMSA race on Friday, we had to pack up and we had to fly those to Halle, um, along with all our radios. So we had all of the crew radios with us at the IMSA race on, uh, uh, the weekend really, or the, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, and then we ended up bringing those uh, with us to Halle. So uh, you would not believe the logistics that it took to do this. And, and just to do it with such a small team it was really, really tough. So that's awesome. Before we dive into that, you had not only did you have an amazing crew with the AOA racing team and John and all those guys, but you had some sponsors that kind of got you here. Do you want to plug anybody early on here that, you know, without them, it wouldn't have been possible? Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, – it sounds crazy. I, I don't want to sound like the typical, you know, race car driver, but this was not a normal event. And um, the biggest one I want to thank is definitely Haggerty. Um, the the episode before this was Dan Telfer, who I uh, we mentioned, you know, again, kind of the story of how I know him. But um, to make this really clear, and you guys can look this up, very, very rarely does Haggerty sponsor a driver or a car. Um, they usually sponsor the events. You look at the SCCA and they sponsor uh, you know, time trials. You look at uh, IMSA and they sp- uh, sponsor a couple segments. They don't really sponsor cars. They don't really sponsor people. And so to have that opportunity was pretty cool. And to do it from the representation of, hey, I, I'm a track day guy. I've done the Haggerty track days. Uh, I'm a Haggerty Drivers Club member myself. Uh, I'm just your regular, you know, regular car guy. And to get to do an opportunity to, to take them with me to do this was cool. So I've got to thank them. Uh, Dreamstone Investments is a company based out of South, uh, uh, South Florida, Tampa area. My friend, Nick Contest, who I used to race with, uh, actually started this company with a couple of partners. Um, and I think they own, it's a crazy amount. I think it's like over 600 units, um, uh, actually coincidentally in Atlanta, um, in Tampa. And I think it might be more than that. Um, so he's kind of living his dream of, uh, of actually starting real, getting into real estate and, and starting a big company, and he owns many units. And so uh, to get him on board was kind of just full circle because me and him used to race Trump Car together, and I was pretty uh, excited to represent his company, get his name out there, what little bit we could. And so you saw him riding on the wing and the trunk lid of my car. Um, a bunch of other people, you know, again, how can I not you know, say the Jay Zilla Track Days group and, and, and that family? That was, uh, I was so proud to have that uh, on the side of the car and actually had that happen. Um, and to wear it on the, you know, wear it on my suit when, when I had the suit made, that was going to be, you know, the primary logo was going to be right there. So that was, um, for me, it was more personal than it was even sponsor things. It was more, you know, everyone knows that you guys are family and, and I wanted to represent you guys well out there. Um, so we had a bunch of support from those three groups, uh, Capristo exhaust, who is the main sponsor of Gianna Torino, who is my sponsor. Uh, we had them on board. Um, Pizza by Fusco's, if you guys know David Fusco, he was on there. So uh, it was cool. It was a bunch of little people we all knew um, to get him on there. And uh, another big supporter, which we actually couldn't even put on the car because um, of 
IMSA legal stuff was WRL, the World Racing League. Um, so high compliment to WRL. Uh, IMSA said we don't want a competing series on our cars. So all you guys that have raced WRL, you should take that uh, as a compliment. But uh, those are the kind of the main ones that, um, you know, really jumped in to help us. And, um, again, it, it's easy to say you hear oh, it wouldn't be possible without them. It really wouldn't be because the amount of money this took to, to, to put together was, was an immense amount. And every single dollar um, you know, got Alex. Absolutely. You know, from being a humble track day guy to thanking your corporate sponsors. So pro Gino. <laughs> well, those are, those are more <laughs> friends. I let me be, let me be, so they're more friends. And, and again, too, to take people that I actually know, um, what was cool. I, I did not want to get caught out in that position of, hi, you know, uh, Rick Stengard Incorporated, can I borrow, you know, I need to have, you know, X amount of money to go do this. These were people that uh, many times volunteered to come and help, uh, you know, w w with funding. And um, uh, I, I think it was just all the more. Very cool, man. So let's get down to the actual event. You laid out the timeline, but there were, I mean, behind the scenes, the amount of bumps and bruises for a racing team is just incredible. And And having raced with John and with you, uh, you know, Scott Lovett and Dave uh, Fusco and all these guys. There's so many things I didn't know went into endurance racing. So kind of give us the, the frame up. You're, you're sitting there. You finally got everything to the track. It's Wednesday. You're ready to go qualify. What's going on in your mind? So, you, you know, one of the things I, I'll tell you that I didn't consider a blessing at the time. Believe me, it really wasn't. But uh, mind you, most people, you know, anybody can go right now write a check um that has you know decent amount of racing experience and go buy a seat somewhere that, that's just common practice and even in professional racing uh we talked about it like in wrl and aer but even in the big leagues here you can write a big enough check to go buy a seat the gentleman driver so to speak um i was so fortunate now again i didn't consider it time but um and i hope john doesn't mind me saying this but you know during these race weekends um i really feel like i'm kind of like his right hand um you know when it comes to getting the team ready you know that kind of that leadership position when he's overall the team leader, I, I can kind of help with some of the admin stuff and help with registration. That's kind of been my role the, the past two years with him. Um, so I got to experience this not only as a driver, but from, you know, a leader of the team. And that what that meant is even backing up two or three weeks, you know, I was there when we were filling out the paperwork, the credentials, getting the car ready, getting the crew ready, um, you know, hiring crew. And so I got to experience this and, you know, again, would it have been easy just to show up and focus only on the driving? Definitely. Um, but I got to make sure we had the people there. got, you know, make sure the trucks were there. I was there during loading. I can guarantee you um, I was probably the only driver there um, <laughs> in that series. that was there during loading, helping them back up the trucks, unload the trucks. And, and, and so that was kind of one of the, the overlays. I got to do this more so more less as a driver, more as a leader of the team. Um, and I learned so much about, uh, you know, about him. So I feel so much more equipped. If I ever had to do this again, um, I would feel more at ease because I, I know what the process is and, and have a little bit of experience on that. But, you know, again, so we, we, we finally get to car where it needs to be that Wednesday early morning, again, three in the morning. And, and we show up and uh, this is probably typical, um, you know, again, of that kind of like that, that that little underdog, we show up and I'm already thinking this is not going to go well because <laughs> we're in line and all you see is million dollar hauler, you know, Herda. Um, you see that the, all the Audi teams, you see, um, you know, again, all the GS teams, uh, big names. You see the drivers, you know, faces on the side of these big 53 foot haulers that have lounges. And there's our 99 dually. <laughs> 
towing our white box truck. If you guys are our white box trailer, you guys will see it at every track day for the most part. And there's my car in there. I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is – I don't want to say it was embarrassing, but it was kind of humbling because, like, you know, they, we were the only ones there that did not have a 53-foot hauler, you know, multi-million dollar rig. I, honest to God, it was probably one of the, the funniest things. And load in that morning, again, 7 in the morning, uh, where did they park us? Right <laughs> in the front of the paddock. So we have our little bitty trailer there. Um, you know, and, and it's just, you know, it was kind of a cool underdog look. Uh, we unload the car and, and my first concern is, you know, again, we set up our little bitty tent and that Wednesday there was going to be a promoter test day, uh, basically a track day. Um, so kind of felt like home for me. Um, so we didn't go through tech or anything yet. And basically it was the, the promoter paid to, to have the track and we can go out there and shake down our cars. And gosh, I don't even remember what time I think that was like a one fifty or, or something like that. And, so I got to stop and um, ask you a question. You know, get, so for us track day guys, sure. I, I want to cast an analogy. Is this like us rolling up to a chin track day in a Miata that might have three and a half wheels on it? I, I feel like it was about the same, same thing. But again, this is more, there's more ego <laughs> in this, man. This is tow vehicles. This is, you know, haulers and, 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 and you know, and, and cool stuff. There's, you know, satellites on these trucks and things like that. So it was, it was really, it, it kind of shook me a little bit. Like, oh man, we are so far out of our depth here. Um, and I remember that. And um, I will tell you the cool thing about this, though, is um, for those of you guys, obviously I'm a fan of racing. Uh, when you have a driver credential and you have a parking pass and you get to go through the, the quick line and flash your credential and they let you in before all the fans, because all the fans were set up for camping and you're driving around them and you show that, uh, that was the real deal. So I'll tell you that. So if you guys ever get the chance to, to race him, so, um, I promise you the coolest <laughs> thing is probably get your credential to go through the gate faster than everybody else. Um, but we unload the car that Wednesday, and, and um, everything's looking good. Um, to, to give you an idea, the tires we use, we actually had to buy those from Michelin. Um, so we went and picked up our tire allotment. Uh, we bought three sets for the weekend uh, because we don't have a lot of money, whereas some of the other teams were buying like the max allotment, which was like six sets, I think it was. Um, we we, we uh, prep our car, and I jump in for the first test session ever, and um, you know, I don't remember being nervous. I was more so just didn't want to, you know, go out there and, and look like an ass. So, um, I jump in and I go out there. Um, and the first thing I realized is, is the whole track looks a little different, um, because all the signage is up for the weekend. Um, and so that was a little surreal, but just start throwing down some laps and, uh, getting some times in the car and, and realize, okay, we're, we're okay. You know, I think the Wednesday were running 32s, 33s, you know, um, pretty, pretty decent times for the order need to be in the class. Um, and we did, we did a quick driver change. Um, but the first time I ever got passed by GS traffic, that was really cool because, uh, you know, again, I've been, I've got hundreds, if not thousands of laps, probably I wrote Atlanta just from all the events we've done there. And, to get past that fast was pretty was pretty interesting um, because you know you're getting passed by GS cars are doing 26s 27s probably um, and you kind of have to realize that you know again the speeds you're going at are just so much higher and when you see these cars that are on TV and you see drivers you know and they're you know you're out there with them um, you know it, it takes a lot of focus just remember not to how realize how cool this is but to also you know focus on hitting your marks so that was the Wednesday test day and it went pretty well. Um, and we, we, we passed safety tech that day, which was a big deal because passing tech, um, for an IMSA, you know, event is, is something that I didn't know if we'd be able to do it or not because we've never run the car there. Um, but you know, again, uh, it, that Wednesday was probably the, you know, the welcome, 
uh, welcome to the event. And we had a lot of, you know, a lot of help. Uh, believe it or not, IMSA was actually very accommodating. Anything we needed question-wise, um, they're more than happy to help. And, and even though we're this little small team, you know, based up the road, uh, they, they were very accommodating. So Wednesday was a fun day just to get out there on track and, and to get our get our pitch. So for some perspective, like were you guys the only, I'll call it the upstart team, the underdog team, were you guys the only ones that were really in that league or were there other folks that were doing the same kind of thing? With the exception of one, uh, that we were probably the only ones. And to give you an idea, that one team that I'm calling the other upstart team. So, so basically, what we figured out is if you're the new guy and you're not there all season, you get the worst paddock spot. So our spot was not was, and all of you guys know this. Um, if you guys roll into the the support paddock right by the the bathrooms, how it's on a hill. Well, that's where we were, and so, so we, nothing was ever was never aligned. So that's why we. So that was the first thing we get the worst, uh, you know, paddock spot uh, because we're new, and we also had to share a pit with a GS team. And so some guys got their own pits. We were not lucky enough, and we got like the worst pit in the world, uh, which was right under the bridge. So we shared it with another uh, another smaller IMSA team. But that team also showed up with the McLaren 570, um, like when they just bought, and they had a full rig and. Um, yeah, so we were the only ones that looked like this. And again, I, I don't want to say it was embarrassing, but man, it, it, it didn't look right. Um, you know, but what was reassuring is when we saw the times we were putting down with our car, we were like, okay, you know, we might not get blown away here. So, um, Wednesday was just a, a hectic day of trying to get set up, trying to figure out what the procedures were. Um, there's so much that goes into it as far as getting, getting a car ready for that day. Um, you have to register your radio frequencies. So IMSA knows what you're saying or if you're cheating or not. Um, you have to go to safety tech where they make sure everything's up to date, just like a track day, but this was a little more intense. Um, you're picking up your tire allotment. You're picking up the fuel that you bought from VP. Um, you know, and, and, and amongst it all, you're still trying to make sure that, you know, you can get your car on the track. So Wednesday was, was a hectic day just as far as schedule, but it was a little more relaxed because we really weren't into the weekend yet. Um, and, and that would have been the following Thursday where we showed up and we had two practice sessions. Um, and then we had the got it. So now let's kind of take it to the qualifying. Not only are you race car driver, Gino, and you have to throw down a, a solid qualifying lap. And I think you did all the qualifying, right? Gianno didn't. Yeah, so kind of give you guys a rundown of the Thursday. So we had two practice sessions, a morning, uh, and this was the first one. Wednesday was a promoter day, so it was like a track day. Uh, actually, going into Thursday, this was the real practice session um, where everything's timed. You can see my times online. And uh, the first session uh, went pretty well, but we were having some timing and scoring issues from the get-go. Um, our transponder wasn't really mounted the correct way. Uh, probably because me and John mounted at three in the morning with that Wednesday. So we, we kind of got that. So some of our laps weren't, uh, 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 clicking properly. Um, the, we did a, a morning session and, and we're running pretty competitive times. I think we got down to down to like the high 29s, um, on new tires. And then the third, the second practice session, we started to do a little more pit practice where I would go run a lap, come in, do a driver change. Um, I'm pretty sure I probably hold a record now for the most pit road speeding penalties, um, on a Thursday test day. And, and to give you guys some idea about this, mind you, we, we haven't had this car all that long, probably six months and we've never really competed with it. Um, so Audi came over, they have, this was really cool. A lot of the Audi engineers, there was, I think three on site. Um, they're there to support all the Audis. And so there was three TCR cars, uh, two GS R8s. And then across the paddock, there was the GTD WeatherTech Audi they were supporting. 
Um, so anything you needed, you could ask them, and they were there to help. And we said, hey, can you program our pit road speeding li- uh, limiter? There's the one where you hit the button, and it, you, know, you hold the, the throttle to the gas, and it, it'll limit you to 60 kilometers an hour pit road speed. So they, they set it, and so I'm out during the first practice, and um, jump in the car, and I leave, and then hit the pit road speeding panel, or hit the pit road speed limiter, and I'm rolling off. And sure enough, I get a radio call, hey, you're speeding on exit. And so now I'm starting to argue. I'm like, guys, the Audi guy did not know what he was doing. I didn't release the limiter until I left the pit. Uh, but whatever, I'll just do it manually. I'll do it on my own. So I come back in, and now I'm sure to do it correctly. And so now I'm going 57 kilometers an hour, <laughs> um, roll through the RFID for the tires, hit the gas, perfect. Well, as I'm doing it, I look out the corner of my eye, and there's this big sign that says pit red speed. And I'm probably 30 feet before it, and I'm full throttle. And then I called him and said, guys, we're going to get a speeding penalty again. <laughs> and so, uh, and Rick, you'll probably remember this. You remember during the AER race, I'm, I'm programmed from this. When you go yeah, the you're RFID, ready to go. That, the, that yeah. is the sign that you were out of the pits. <laughs> so me too. So I go through the Michelin RFID reader. Well, not the same series. Um, and so I think the second pit road speeding tail was like 15 kilometers. It had to have been a record. So like, I don't even know how I got going that fast in between that small space. So I come back in, stopping up. By now, the official is just kind of laughing at me because he knows <laughs> I'm making mistakes here. Um, and so we get through that and kind of kind of roll on. But with him, so the qualifying is this. We, we made the decision that Gianna, um, who I'm not afraid to admit it, probably has a little more pace than I do um, just because he's been doing this his whole life. So we said, why don't we put you in last? And I'll start the race. And I don't mind uh, starting races. I do it all the time. But in order to do that, I had to be the one to qualify the car. So even though Gianna probably would have put down a faster qualifying lap than I did, um, you know, again, I could hold my own and figure it out. So we go into qualifying, 15-minute session. Um, we put a brand new set of sticky Michelins on the car. I'm, I'm pumped up. The only thing is Michelin recommended all weekend that to get the tires of the temperature, you need to take two or three laps and really build some heat in them because we started the pressures way low. And because of that, it means you have to stay off the curb, which is a real challenge for me. No matter what I'm, no matter what I'm driving, it kills me not to have to, to stay off curves. But um, so we roll out in qualifying, and um, uh, Andrew Pinkerton, who was there to help me out, I'll, I'll touch on that more later, was there to to, to help me all weekend. Um, roll out, do one lap, you know, get the tires. I'm following. Uh, I think I'm following another Hyundai or a Honda. I forget. I don't even remember what it was. Do one lap, get the tire weaving back and forth. Do a second lap. Uh, I really feel the temperatures come up on the tires. Like, all right, we're ready to hit it. And I'm um, on the third lap coming down the hill. Uh, I'm still not at full pace. I'm st- I'm not hitting 10 or 10B at full speed either. Um, cross the line. She's like, okay, go ahead, hit it. Let's start to pick up the pace and see what you can do. So I start, I, I get going, get the one good, put together a pretty decent lap. And coming down the hill, the predictive has me at like a 131.1. Um, the only issue is before I get to the line, uh, I see a red flag drop, and I'm like, oh, no. So the car had spun out in one, uh, couldn't get going again, and um, just dropped the session. And as soon as that red flag came out, it, 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 freezes the, it freezes the track. And so I crossed the line, and sure enough, it's like a 31 shows up on the timer. Um, but it doesn't count now because it didn't actually register. So come back in the pit lane, and um, just not enough time. I go back out, but, again, you get like two laps, and I just could never get rolling again. I was stuck in traffic, and – um, it kind of killed me because we ended up starting 12th, but we really should have been probably eighth or ninth. And, um, I, I'm pretty sure I could have got us up to eighth just knowing the pace of the car. So that was a little bit of a bummer. I was, I was kind of upset about that because I really wanted to put the car up more, at least in the mid pack of the field. But, 
uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and you know, again, we, we figured, hey, we'll just drive it from the back. So uh, first IMSA qualifying session, uh, <laughs> I didn't qualify last. So, that was, so the whole time everyone said, well, where do you want to qualify? And, and the, the, the quote was, <laughs> hopefully not last. So we um, they said they're going to make me shirts for that. But um, I was a little bummed about that because I really wanted to, to kind of be up in the mid-pack. And Man, I, this, I think we had something if we This started qualifying there. has um, been really rough on Jay Zilla people that race. I know that you had the problem. Scott Lovett had the problem in his HSR race. And we, I mean, all kinds of other problems with uh, other guys that have raced. I think we got a curse going. Well, you know, I, I, I don't mind starting from the back, but um, <laughs> as we'll talk about a little later, it ended up being a little bit more important to be up front. But, um, you know, nevertheless, you know, we, we figured we'd start there. And um, I, I will tell you this, uh, kind of going back to not your regular driver, amongst all this on Thursday, uh, mind you, we still have cars in the way to Hallett. Uh, so um, when I'm not in the car qualifying, I'm, I'm with John, and we're trying to make sure the cars make it there. And so, like, one of the trucks has an incident on the way, and we're trying to deal with that. I was like, are the cars going to make it? So, um, you know, again, this was very much a working day for me. Um, most most drivers can kind of do their qualifying, go back to the air-conditioned hauler, um, whereas for me it was more or less, um, all right, what time is that? Okay, somebody find out what's going on with the cars. Uh, oh, man, we got to go to Advanced Auto Parts and, and get this because we don't have this or, or whatever. And, um, you, you know, there was a lot of going on. We had to buy a bunch of stuff that we didn't have that we didn't know we needed. So um, as opposed to all the other you know teams I got to hang out at the track, you know, me and John were on the go always. We were never, ever sitting um, on Thursday. Um, and, and so, you know, again, I do have to say this. You got to realize the crew we had. Um, I hired two guys from New York from a, from a, another TCR team that wasn't running uh, to be the fuel guys. So they flew in that Thursday, and, and they were a bunch of help. But for the most part, the team was uh, myself, uh, uh, Devin. Uh, we also had uh, Casey Creighton there. Um, we had Sam, some more regular guys. But we don't do this for – you know, we're not professional you know, racers. This is not something we do. So we're having to figure this out together as we go along. Um, so really you have five, six friends. Um, you know, and myself and John, we're trying to learn this as we go along. So I, I think people need to don't realize how much of a feat this actually was that we had a car that was competitive, you know, and, and it was being crewed by a couple of friends out of the back of our, you know, of our, of our pickup truck. And, and not, not to brag here or anything, but, you know, for myself and for my teammate Gianno to, to be able to put those kind of times down. Every single time a car came in off the off the track, the other teams they would jack that car up, put new tires on it. They would do suspension settings, wing settings, you know, plug it up to the computer, recalibrate everything. I mean, all <laughs> we did all weekend was tire pressures, and we maybe played with the wing a little bit, but um, we didn't have the facilities, the knowledge, or anything like that to really, you know, do what some of these other teams are doing. And mind you, again, five six friends versus a, a team like Herta with all the Hyundai's or um, you know Fast MD where they have engineers and. They have, you know, 15, 20 crew. They have, I was talking to one of the teams, they have a tire specialist. They have a, a suspension specialist. They have, you know, a, a, dri you know, a driver uh, a driver aide to go get lunch whenever they need it. Um, so to be able to be competitive, I just don't think anybody will ever realize how hard that, that was and, and how much effort me and, and, and Gianna had to put in to carry that car. And, again, the car is fantastic, but when you're up against teams with, you know, million-dollar budgets for the years, um, that, you know, that, that every little of edge could do it. So w when you see us throwing down those times that weren't far off, you know, from the, from the lead cars, 
that really took a lot of effort, you know, to, to, to go out there and do it by, by everyone involved. So, um, you know, again, Thursday didn't go the way we wanted, um, but we were, we were happy to see that the car had pace in, in, in practice. And uh, even though qualifying didn't go our way, uh, we knew we would have yeah, definitely. Been had, had, had and so out. we get to Friday and, uh, I, I'll kind of share a little bit of my experience coming up. I haven't been to petite in, I mean, I was probably five or six years old the last time I was there. And, uh, so to come w- and watch one of my buddies race, that, was absolutely amazing, but uh, I showed up Friday afternoon to two thirty. Figured, all right, I'll just cruise in, and you know it won't be that busy. It's COVID. We're at fifty percent capacity. I think they were full of crap. There were a ton of people there, even on Friday. You know, turn seven was completely packed. The support paddock, the pro pits, you know, everything was full, and uh, you know there were a lot of people here for this race, and that was really really fun to see. Um, so I came back, I found James, I found the, um, Gran Turismo guys and, uh, thanks for Kieran for, uh, the food and the drinks and all that. And we climbed up on the top of their trailer, standing there watching turn seven, which could not have been a better, uh, or a more heartbreaking vantage point, uh, as, as we'll get to, but <laughs> I mean, just a really phenomenal experience to show up at, at this track that we run and it's so quiet. It's so empty when we're there, but to see it full for a professional race and realize that just like Charlotte, these are places that we are so privileged to be and run as ordinary track guys. It was really, really cool and really humbling uh, to, to kind of be there and be part of it. But, uh, you know, got there and I know Gino was getting prepped all day long. And then we kind of got to the start of the race. I mean, is there anything we got to touch on getting getting to the start of the race? I'm sure you were busy all day. Yeah, I mean, so just again, so just so you guys understand, I, I think some people got the wrong impression that, you know, again, that I was, you know, in in the paddock, you know, hanging out, you know, getting ready, <laughs> getting my mindset. That couldn't be further from the truth because, um, mind you, I spent an hour in Northern Tool Friday before the what race. What were you buying at Northern Tool? <laughs> um, and, and I don't even know. So you, you, this is just the craziest stuff. Like, you can't make this stuff up, but. As we were getting ready for the race, we figured, hey, we should probably get our fuel in the fuel rig. We're like, all right, no big deal. Well, apparently <laughs> you can't use an electric pump, which becomes like a big problem because that's all we use. We've always used an electric pump. So like, oh, my God. So we jump in the car. Me and John are going to Northern Tool. Um, we're trying to find a pump that we can, like a hand pump to pump the fuel into the rig. Uh, mind you, I got to start the race here in a couple of hours, but, you know, I'm not going to send them by himself. So we're doing that. Um, we stop at Best Buy because – we didn't have the right cable to get our computers running to monitor timing and scoring. So, uh, you know, so if everyone thought we were kind of lounging around and I was, you know, sitting in the hauler that, you know, getting my mind right, that's not, the, I, I was out, we were shopping trying to get ready for the race. Um, so we get everything we needed. And, um, you know, finally somewhere around 12, we're like, Hey, we, we really need to kind of get a, t- a plan together here. Um, so we, sp- we do a, qu- a quick couple of driver changes in the morning. Um, I didn't realize this till Friday night, but I never ate all day um, just because we were so busy trying to buy everything. So never ate anything. Um, I did try to hydrate the best I could, but um, our race didn't start late till uh, probably around 3.30. And so I did have enough time, I, I think, between 1 and 2 just to kind of go to the infield a little bit. And uh, I tried to visit as many people as I could. I couldn't really communicate so well because, uh, obviously, it's just really hard in the infield. Um, but to kind of touch on what you're going to go back, just to go back. Yeah. That I don't believe there was, um, they, they had COVID limitations because the infield was packed. Uh, all the paddocks were packed. 
Um, and just to kind of give you guys a cool story because you know I, I'm still a fan here. I, you know, I'll I, I enjoy watching those races. Uh, you know, more than anything. So I went out to turn six, I think, on Thursday, just after my after my practice session. Uh, me and Gianna, and we're still in our suits. And I'm standing in the standing in the bed of a truck. Um, kind of watching and, and people start to come up and say like, wait, are you guys drivers? And we're like, yeah. So uh, it was kind of cool. So, you know, we're, we're signing autographs for people, um, you know, us nobodies, we're signing autographs for people in the infield um, just because we're out there trying to enjoy, you know, practice of the weather tech race. Um, so that was pretty cool. But I kind of going back into Friday, um, we knew we were going to start from the back. You know, again, I, I was a little nervous about the whole thing, but you know, at some point you kind of just have to, you know, it's just another race. Um, yeah, I mean that. Yeah, they're big names, but you know, I, I do this like every weekend, so it, it is. It is what it is. I was trying to treat it like that, uh, which it really wasn't. Um, but I didn't realize it was going to affect me so much until we get ready. I'm, I'm suited up, um, and we're on the grid, and you know, I take the car down to the grid myself, and Emsa lines us up, and you don't really realize how cool this can be. And, and this is one of the few a minute, a few times I did take a minute and kind of really take it all in. Um, when they're announcing everybody and they do the national anthem and we line up by the car, um, that's probably when it hit me about how cool it was. So you're doing the national anthem, you're standing by the car, you know, and I was really lucky. And I will mention, um, a good friend of mine, Andrew Pinkerton, we've actually interviewed him on, on here before. Um, you know, again, a, a guy who, who's, who has become a professional race car driver, professional coach. I've known this guy for five, six, seven years. We used to race, you know, chump car together. And he came out to help me, and he just made his IMSA debut, um, coincidentally, at the last uh, uh, Atlanta race, the, the four-hour, uh, with Turner Motorsport, of all people. So he got to do this with, like, a real actual big-name team. And he was so kind enough to come out and just help me. Any questions I had about, um, you know, technicalities, whether it was rules or how to do this or advice, he read a bunch of data for me, helped me get a lot faster. Um, he was there all weekend, and it was so cool. He was right there, the one next to me. Um, as we did the national anthem, he strapped me in the car and never, ever, ever did I ever think in in a hundred years would I be sitting in a car when they say, gentlemen, start your engines. And I had to fire up a car. And that was probably one of the coolest moments, you know, I think I'll ever experience. I don't really know how you're going to top that, um, to do it, you know, at, at Petit Le Mans that weekend, um, do it in a car owned by, you know, you know, probably one of my best friends in the world owned by John wearing a suit with our logo on it. Um, that was just all surreal. And that was one of the takeaways that I could actually slow down for a minute and, you know, kind of time stood still, um, on the grid there when I cranked up, you know, my own race car at, at this kind of event. And, um, yeah, that, that's one of those takeaways that I think will stick with me forever, but you know, there's no way around, you know, getting it. I mean, we, we roll out and, um, you know, I'm feeling good about the race and, um, I, I will tell you guys, I mentioned how the signage is different. Um, but all of the, you know, again, after doing so many track days there and even racing there so many times, when you can see the fans in the tents and the RVs, and, and Rick, I know exactly where you were on turn seven. I could see the RV. I promise you guys I could see you guys on top of the RV uh, whenever I come around seven. That is really, really different. Um, I mean, it's really cool, but, you know, again, we've done all – me and you have done track days there, but when you can actually see that, there's an energy there you can feel. Um, and you hear about this in sports, you know, again, in the NFL when there's no fans in the stands for COVID, things like that. Um, I never really understood that till I was out there getting warmed up. And you, you know, could Gino, see it, let me interject you. for a second. Um, it's funny that I'll you mentioned you. that. I turned to James at probably the second or third lap as you were doing the formation laps. 
and said something along those lines because you can literally feel it. Even sitting there on the edge of the track, the drivers are looking. Like, you actually looked up at those trailers and saw people, didn't you? Oh, I, I know exactly where you guys were. James told me what are we to look for. I know I, I, I know exactly where you guys were. And um, a couple of times I wanted to flash lights to you, but I didn't want to get like penalized or something like that. So I, so I shouldn't do this. But I know exactly where you guys were. I'll tell you one of the coolest things about this, and you don't realize it because this is a televised event. Um, coming around turn seven. I was going to talk about this. It was surreal. I it or not. And. Dude, so I come around. I'll never forget this. I think it was during the practice, the first practice. I'm coming around. I see this thing out of the corner of my eye in seven. I think, oh, my God, is that a car about to hit me or something? And there's this big-ass camera coming on the boom. that's about to, to, And it's, like, right up to the car. And I thought, that is pretty damn cool. And it took me I, until I figured out what it was. I didn't know what, what was going on for, like, a second. Um, so that was, you know, just some of the differences like that. Um, and and to, on those formation laps, that was really, really, um, you know, again, that was a cool experience. And having watched IMSA races and watched so many of these events as a spectator, um, it, it was a little out of body. I'm, I'm telling you, it was like, I can't believe I'm um, doing this. I can't believe I'm, I'm behind all these cars. I know behind all these drivers. Um, so, again, just, you know, again, I know it sounds like a cliche, but it, it really was surreal to do it. But um, I guess we got to jump right into the race. Because <laughs> so I the green flag drops my head. and you hit the game. But, well, it's, well, no, it's, it's, it's not even that easy because, you know, again, again, I, like I said, a smaller team. Um, I don't even know how this happened, but, um, like, you remember when no, we, we had, AER, no, I mean, green flag, issues, you got the call, you were on the gas. It was great. Oh, it wasn't, huh? I thought this is gonna be just like this. It'd be easy. Well, go figure. Go figure. Our, you know, we have like this really expensive Motorola radio in the in the Audi. Um, we use the same radios we always done. Go figure. <laughs> the only time I can hear the guys on the front stretch, so I had to call my own green. I was like, this is just typical uh, of my luck. But you know, I was like, we're gonna make it work. So uh, I could only hear them on the front stretch, and um. I, I I wasn't even really ready for the for the start, if I'm honest. I mean, I know we regretted up. I didn't know if we were going to go on the first or the second. Uh, we ended up going on the first, and um, I see everyone go, so I just go. And in IMSA, the rule is you cannot jump out of line. If your line goes forward, you can go, uh, but you cannot, um, you know, you cannot jump to the inside line before the start finish line. So I was real cognizant not to have that happen. And dude, I got a pretty good start. And and I would tell you guys one thing, and you guys can watch a race on TV. You miss ninety percent of what actually happened. The ten percent you see is, you know, all, all the highlights and you see what's going on. I, I, I couldn't believe how how traumatic of a start this was. I mean, it was these guys play so. Physical, Talk about that. Elaborate. What, what did you it. see? Um, but I, I yes. Mm. So I mean, everyone leans on each other, um, and, and it really surprised me. Um, but going going with the green um i think i got us up to probably ninth and i'd have to look at the onboard to see it again um but up to three i was doing my thing i mean, I, I passed the two inside cars uh passed no on the outside got to the inside lane i was on the inside of three on the first lap and something happened and one of the hondas in front of me just completely came to a stop and i don't know if it was gs traffic or what and like i saw two cars pass me that i just you know got by i was like oh no so Kind of, uh, kind of filed in line and was was running pretty well. And uh, I think we made up to tenth for a little bit when some cars had a penalty and had to go. And so we're running tenth or so. Um, and things start to kind of get 
a little messed up for us because, and I don't even know if you saw this or not, Rick, but there was a GS car, another Audi, um, higher level car, an R8, mm-hmm. and um, it just kept holding us up. I mean, we we got separated from the TCR pack, and so I'm trying to make something happen. Well, you were with two other um, cars. So every you time I go try to pass them, right? he's got so much more power. Yeah, so there was two TCR cars yep. behind me. I was the one, and I'm trying to get around this R8 because I know we need to get to the pack. And so I'm like the first one. So every time I go try to pass this R8, um, it kills my momentum. Then I have to, then those two <laughs> guys pass me, and I get past them. We try this all over again. And for the life of us, we couldn't get around this R8. Um, and so we're trying everything we can. And finally, a caution comes out. And um, this kind of shook me a little bit because yep. the caution was for uh, the, the ass and that, that hit the bridge. And, you know, I've seen my fair share of crashes during track days mm-hmm. and during amateur races, but you knew well, he hit wheel hard took out because the front you could corner just see parts all over the place. And um, exactly, yeah. And so that, that that was a hard hit. You could tell. And that was like, whew, you know, you can't really think about it in the middle of a race. But um, and, and then at that point, I'm trying to make sure I don't run over anything. Um, so I'm just trying to fish my way through there, make sure I don't hit any debris. Um, the GS car gets to file up uh, a little further. So we try this again. Um, and so we're, we're right. I think we're probably 30, 40 minutes in the race by this point. And finally, you know, I'm, I'm racing with these two guys and, and we're trying to get back towards the TCR pack and I can start to see, and we're reeling them in and, uh, you know, again, I'm behind this other Audi and we're playing pretty nice. And I just, I, at this point, it's like, okay, I've been riding too long here. We got to get going here because I'm, I'm already deep enough into the race. I know we're about to stop for a driver change. And I need to try to get as much real estate as I can. So I don't And keep in mind that we're not a, a professional team again. So I know we're going to struggle on the stop. There's just no way we're not. Even if the guys do the best job they can, you know, again, we, we don't we don't orchestrate this. This is not our, our way of living, whereas these guys do. it. So I already know I need to try to get as much real estate as I can before the stop. And so I'm thinking it's time for me to go. And I'm faster than this other Audi. So I'm just going to try to make something happen. And I wait. Well, hold on. Before you get to that, Gino, and I want to set the scene because everybody's getting these... frustrated at this point with the caution flags and everything else. Because we watched right before, while all this was happening, while you were trading places, we watched cars go three wide through seven, one and a half cars in the grass. And everybody was leaning on everybody. It was the, the frustration that Gino's talking about was something that. I'd never seen it up close and personal, uh, you know, certainly not in the racing that our guys do. Yeah, you know, and, and so that took me by surprise how hard it is to pass here. And all the cars are so equal with the exception of maybe the Hyundais. You really can't just power by somebody. So if you're going to make passes, I mean, it's going to be under the brakes and it's going to be under, under in, in, in weird positions. And, um, Again, so I, I'm following this other audience, and I know it's time to go because I <laughs> listen. I didn't come here to run tenth, and I know that sounds a little cocky, but like really, I mean, yeah, I know it's a dream come true, and you know, it's an honor to be here. But when the helmet goes on, guys, you know, I'm trying to get up front, you know, and so no matter whether if that's ninth or or I'm racing for the lead, I, I've got to get us up front. I mean, that that's unfortunately it sounds stupid, but that's my job. I mean, I'm trying to to race these guys and. And I know that we're coming on the stop. And if I, if there's any way I can get Giannis in position and help those guys, you know, to, to be able to, to do a stop and for us to remain, you know, at least in the mid pack, um, I've got to do it. So, um, you know, I see an opportunity to pass this car and I'm, I'm on his tail. And um, I know this is a tough pass to pull off because again, I, I've raced her enough to know. And I, my hope is this, I was racing this car clean 
uh, for many laps. Whenever he get up on me, I give him room. Whenever I get up on him, you know, we, we were we're another Audi team. So I'm thinking, all right, if I try this, he's, I know he's going to see me. He's probably going to give me the courtesy and, and get in there. And um, I go for a pass in seven. I'm right up on his bumper. I, mean, I, I can replay this in my head, slow motion. Um, get off a of six really well. Um, I see the door open in seven. I go for it. And honestly, he just doesn't see me. I mean, again, it's it's a it's a very tough place to pull off a pass. But I'm thinking, hey, he's got to know I'm trying because I've been on his tail for two laps, and so he's got to know I'm gonna try something here. And um, and, and we make contact, and and it's really not. I mean, again, it was pretty decent contact, uh, but it wasn't like you know we slammed into each other. We 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 touched my left front to his right front. It 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 tipped him sideways a little bit, and it just hit at that point where it was wheel to wheel. And he got to drive off, you know, unscathed, probably, you know, some dings on his door. But I got ended up uh, breaking an axle. Um, go figure right in front of you. So I could sit you could sit there and watch this whole sad story play out. But, um, yeah, that that that's what ended our race, basically, is, you know, trying to go for that pass in seven. Um, should I have gone for the pass? Probably not. Um, but you got to keep it in mind now, too, is it's at that point. We're 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 too far. You know, you said it. You know, you weren't there to run tenth place, right? You knew you were fast enough to qualify seven, eight, nine, and you were stuck behind what was a very uncourteous car. That that R eight was unfortunately slow and really split you guys from the pack. If you'd qualified ahead of him or been ahead of him at any point, this probably would have turned out differently. But you know, as we watched that frustration building. Because we saw the three wide through seven. We saw another car try to make a move. And then you came through. All, I think, on one lap or possibly over two laps. But everybody was thinking the same thing. I got to get a little bit of room. I got a driver change coming. And the the perspective from us was that, that we, we were waiting for you to come through. We saw you come around the corner. We saw the cars touch. And it looked very gentle from where we were standing. And the the black uh, TCR car spun in front of you. It looked more like you T-boned him, <laughs> but it was, again, very gentle. And he drives off like no big deal, and we could hear you revving and no power delivery. Yeah, and so I'll tell you guys, the, the TCR cars are very robust cars. Um, for those <laughs> guys that, if you guys ever see mine, your mine, if you guys ever see the team car, um, you know, at another event, um, which I'm sure you will, go look at them. Those five, those are all carbon fiber panels. Those cars are very, very tough. They're 90% street cars. If you go buy an RS3 right now, that's about what you get. Um, so yeah, they're pretty robust. I was just unlucky enough. The way I hit them um, just ha- so happened to break an axle and. Um, again, that's just some, that, unfortunately, that's some racing luck. I take full responsibility that, again, that I'm the overtaking car and it's my job to make. And he just didn't see me um, because, granted, it's a, it, it was a, that's, a, that's a tough place to make a pass. And, you know, at the back of my mind, I'm thinking, all right, he's seen me here. I'm a fellow Audi. Um, this is the <laughs> highest level of racing in the world. He's got to know what's going, on, what's going on here. And, um, and, and unfortunately, I just assumed wrong. And again, too, there, there was no fault on, on, on that car's end. I mean, yeah, it would have been nice if he gave me a lane had he known I was there, of course. But, um, you know, really, Rick, I, I got to tell you this. Everyone was like, oh, man, you know, bad luck. You know, sorry that that happened. Um, de- am, I, am I devastated that it happened? Of course I am. Um, you know, if I could do it over again, sure, I would have just rode behind him to the end of time. But, you know, really, again, my job when I'm in that car is to get it up front. And, you know, again, and, you know, everyone knows the center court. If you see a gap and you got to go, whatever, however it goes. Yeah, that's partially true. I mean, now, now I'm the first one to, to, to preach endurance racing. You got to get the car to the end. 
100%. But mind you, this is a two-hour race, and we're 40 minutes into it. And, you know, again, we've, we've, at, at that point, we've just got to go. And I've been talking to a lot of people about it. And honestly, I probably did this the wrong way. Um, and, and here's what I mean by that is I tried to pass him clean, and he just didn't see me when we made contact. If you watch the rest of the race, what those guys do is they just get up uh, beside somebody and they just they just body them out of the way. Um, you know, you see so many cars going off the grass in 10A and 10B. Um, you saw that one three wide in seven. And so these guys are just so aggressive with how they make their passes. The reason I had contact is I'm trying to be courteous and, you know, and do it the right way. Um, <laughs> you know, again, if, if I could do it again, should I use the bumper and kind of force them out of the way? I mean, probably so. Um, and again, too, that's just how I, I was not prepared for that style of racing of it, where it's very, very physical, um, from the get go, from the start, guys are bumping into each other. Um, you know, and, and really uh, I'm just happy to have a car still after this race because I saw probably three TCR cars, um, two GS cars mm-hmm. that they're not, probably not going to get them put back together in time for next week. Um, I saw a McLaren 570 go off into the trees in six where they had to put a crane to get it in practice. Um, so, you know, again, the, the margin for error when you're going those speeds in that type of series, you know, again, is a, is a lot less. And, um, you know, again, again, really, I, I again, I, I like I am really upset that we didn't have the, the, the run that we wanted to because um, because I made a mistake trying to make an aggressive pass 100 percent. But um, I'm also happy too. my biggest fear was. We would do this. We would put this money together. We would get the team out there. And <laughs> what you saw, you'd see the pack go by, and you wait a couple of seconds to go, hey, there goes Gino. You know, so that was my biggest fear. And, and again, too, I can, I can go to bed at night and, and, and sleep comfortably knowing, hey, the reason I had an incident is because I was racing for position, and I wasn't just out there getting run over. And I was out there trying to get my car to the front in a professional series, and I was racing door to door with these people, and and I can take some comfort in that. As much as the the as much as the it didn't go the way we wanted to, um, I know I wasn't out there just getting run over. So, and if anything, I was the aggressor. And so that to me is as bad as the the outcome was. Plus, I can you got go a to ton bed, of airtime you know, for your with sponsors some pride out of in this. knowing that. So. <laughs> well, well, not really the, the type of airtime we wanted. I did, I never thought that the image everyone would see me parked on the side of seven. Um, but you know, again, again, hundred percent my fault. Um, but if you guys, you know, from from my point of view, and I know it was only like thirty or forty minutes, but that felt like an eternity. Uh, st- sitting there tra- behind traffic, knowing I was faster to get up to the front. And, um, you know, again, had I did it over again, of course it had been different. Of course I had just sat there and waited. Um, but, you know, what does that say about me as a driver if I'm just okay just sitting there, you know, waiting when I, when I feel like there's an opportunity? So um, that's the story that, that happened with, again, 100%, not, a, not the, the happy ending. But if any of you guys should take some, something out of that, realize we were, were a small team. We showed up there with a pickup truck with a car that we're really not equipped to, you know, to, to, to do a bunch of servicing on even a bunch of friends, five or six friends funded by, you know, guys in the track days community funded by sponsors that, that helped me just because, um, you know, again, they, they know me through track day stuff, uh, funded by money out of my own pocket and John's own pocket. And we were out there, we, we were competitive. Um, it didn't get the result we wanted to. And just to give you an idea, that car we were racing that we had the contact with, I think ended up finishing sixth. And I felt like we were faster than them, obviously, as I was trying to make a pass. So um, I think everyone should realize what an incredible job that was and how 
you know, again, the type of car John put out there and the type of effort that, you know, people in our own community, I mean, these are all guys that, um, you know, are every single one of the, the crew guys, you, you know, and, and Gino, from, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take now. and you took the shot and that's what counts. But more than that, it's the, the knowledge that you guys gained, right? I, I don't believe that this is your last uh, event in that car. I, I just don't. And I know you and I know John and you have an entirely new perspective and you will conduct yourself differently. De definitely. So uh, whether we do this, whether we do another IMSA event or not, um, which I'm not shutting the door on that at all. I mean, this was one that, you know, again, this was a bucket list thing. If, if I don't ever run another professional race again, I, honestly, I'll be okay. Um, and, and people are like, Oh, what is that supposed to mean? I, again, too, like I, I know, I know my skill level and, and, and I now know that if I'm out there with those guys, um, I can hold my own. And, and I think deep down everyone that does a track day or that, that, you know, does amateur racing, they want to know, listen, Hey, if I go out there on TV, would I be okay? Um, same thing probably with any athlete, you know, again, if you're, if you're, you know, a college football player or a high school, you know, would I be able to hold my own? And I can honestly say, I know right now that I would not get run over. Um, obviously am I, do I have the skill level of some of these pros up on the front? No, but they wouldn't just blow by me. And again, I'd be able to put up a fight at least. So, um, I can go, I can, I can take a lot of comfort knowing that. And I, and it's something that very few people no doubt. Um, will ever have the privilege of even getting to answer that question or not. And so, and so to me, that's important. Um, <laughs> what we do it again. Uh, well, I'm not going to lie. You know, John, the, the Monday, uh, Tuesday morning, we get back in town. The first thing you want to know is, all right, you know, what are you thinking? What do you want to do now? And um, I'm like, dude, let me just catch my breath. And uh, you know, again, because that's the racer in him. Um, and you know, again, I, I think that I, I do want to talk about that. You know, here's a guy, um, you know, that believes in me enough that he's going to put me in behind the wheel, uh, you know, this hundred thousand dollar race car. Um, I have, I have honestly, I have no credentials to be behind a car like that. Um, you know, again, yeah, I do a bunch of amateur racing. Um, yeah, I'm known for going on two wheels. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I take a lot of cool photos, but, um, I have really no resume to, to say, Hey John, you know, I'm not, I haven't won, you know, carding championships and I haven't won this and that, you know, I drive as Miatas. I do a pretty darn good job of that. I feel like, but, um, that's just one of those things in this hobby that a guy like John DeBrowse will take a guy like me, um, that he just, just with his gut and that he believes in, uh, to put me in a car like that. And, and again, there's so many more people that do this, you know, that have worked their whole life to get to that level. Um, and for him to do that, um, for me, is something I'll never forget. And, um, you know, again, it, it really it, it makes the hair stand up in the back of my neck to know that that there's somebody, um, a guy like him, um, a guy like James Marcellana, um, that believe in me so much that they're willing to put up money. Um, they're willing to, you know, put put up their car and to back me no matter what. Um, that is something that, you know, again, that was I already knew. But um, to, to have a weekend like that. Um, you know, really is uh, it's something special. And, and again, I, no I realize doubt every about morning it. how blessed and, I am. And, you know, to, everybody that's sitting here listening to this, some of our drivers are wondering exactly the same thing. How would I fare if I got out there? And you said on Facebook publicly that there's a handful of our guys that could have hung with that group. It's time to name names, James. Or, or you know. James is James is going to be upset when we actually go racing at the next <laughs> event. So, you know... <laughs> So you know, really, the the uh, 
that this actually ran through my mind, okay? Because at the at the beginning of the race, I'm like, all right, this is like a track day. It's like me and Rook are out here, you know. Again, um, that that there is a there was a moment, you know, at the beginning of that race where it was like, listen, I deserve to be here. Um, these are just regular guys, and so you know, again, and and in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, well, I do this, you know, who am I racing, you know? And so there are guys I think that would go out there and fare just fine. Don't put my name um, on this list. You know, there, not, there are I lists I belong on. This is not off. one. So um, you know, next, <laughs> I I really don't think you would fare that that poorly out there. Um, but you know, there there's some people that we know. I mean, obviously, you put a guy like Jason Owens out there who probably who probably needed to be out there. Um, I don't know why he wasn't out there. Um, you know, he'd be fine. Um, I I know 100 percent. Um, in my heart, if you put Patrick Darty in that car, um, he would have been just fine. Um, so you know, a, a guy like that, you know, came up to mind. There, there's 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 a couple others out there that you know again that I know that. Um, if they got that opportunity like I did, they would be just fine. That's and, and pretty I impressive. That's, that's How would James Marcellano have fared? Type of drivers we have. <laughs> not well not well at all <laughs> he's a uh, he's too nice um it had again that's one thing i learned about that series and, and you can watch on tv but until you actually see them at the start and they're just banging into each other and, and moving people out of the way um He's too nice, and, and honestly, I'm too nice. I, I, if I could have done it again, I'd have been a little more aggressive, sure. which sounds crazy knowing what happened, but I'd have been aggressive in a different way. Um, so, you know, again, that, that was That's one awesome. of my takeaways. Was, so man, we, these guys we come to play. They come this to play thing, hardball, But that so. wasn't really the end. Uh, it, it, we thought it was. James and I walked over, and we bought some souvenirs and hung out and talked with a bunch of people. And all of a sudden, I see on Facebook, he's back out, or the AOA car's back out. And this was – Having run with John, having seen that John will put his life and limb and wallet at risk to get a car back on track, it was so cool to know that he had done it yet again, worked a miracle, and put a car back on track. So what happened? Yeah, so we get towed in. Obviously, I'm devastated, so I just go sit in the trailer and kind of like, damn, what the hell I do? Um but they go right back at it. So we, I, I had broken an axle, and the shock somebody got messed up. Other than that, the car was fine. The fender's a little kinked. Um, I think we broke a headlight. Um, but really, those two items were the only thing. So these guys jump right in, um, and they identify it. And luckily, we have a spare shock um, on hand. We did not have an axle. Somehow, John walks over with an axle, and I, and I think he bought it from Audi. Um, because Audi was actually on hand with all the parts we needed. Um, so I think he got it from them. I, I still don't know. Um, God knows how much he paid for that shock um, but or that, that axle. Um, and these guys start to put it in. And, my, and mind you, when we went there, all we have are regular hand tools. We have a small toolbox of regular hand tools. Oh, man. Um, the big toolbox, everything, all of our main stuff's on the way to Hallett um, with the Miatas. So we're basically trying to service this car with hand tools. And um, they do it. They change this axle and a shock. And I think it was 25 minutes maybe. So we throw Giano in the car and tell him, hey, man, go out there and just, you know, finish these laps. And, um, you know, one thing I should say is Giano is trying to, to get a full license to go, you know, do some other racing. And so it was important for him to get back out there and get some logs, uh, some laps logged. Um, but I'll never forget um, how, how impressive that was. And, and, and like the Miatas, uh, we change transmissions every day on them, it seems like, um, or, or anything. Else. All that stuff is second, but... You know, we I don't I don't think John's ever changed an axle on this car or you know or the shock or anything like that. So, um, w- this was all by the seat of our pants that we're that these guys are out there figuring out how to change this and they successfully do it and they could probably do it even faster now, obviously. 
Um, but they get that car mm-hmm. out there, and and, and the John, it's so important for him that his cars take the checkers. You know this. Um, and so for that car to, to take the checkers, um, even though it wasn't the position we wanted, um, it, it, it still capped off a great success. And, and again, too, not the result we wanted, but, um, again, we, we finished this race. Uh, we did not DNF the race. We were laps down, but we finished this race. We, and, and, again, we were competitive the whole time. So my, my takeaways were we took, the, we took the green, we took the checkers. I, I don't think that – I was so skeptical. Uh, I can say this publicly <laughs> now. Um, and, and, and I hope my, if any of my sponsors listen to this, I love you all more. I was already ready, prepared to say, listen, here's why we aren't able to race. Um, mm-hmm. We did not pass tech because of this reason. <laughs> and we'll see you at the next one. You know, I already had the statement ready that, hey, we're going to go through tech and there's a good chance we're not going to pass because of something. And, um, you know, again, that, that, that to, to actually take the green was a small miracle in itself. To actually be able to get the money together was a miracle. So this was, uh, you know, th- that car, yeah, it was running on 100, 100 octane VP fuel, but it was really running on hopes and dreams the whole weekend because, and you know, a lot of this stuff shouldn't have worked out, and it did. Um, all the more reason why I'm still upset about the, the result of it. But um, you know, again, if we ever do this again, and I'm not saying we are. And I'm not saying we're not, um, <laughs> you know, again, we'll be so much more equipped to do it. And, um, you know, we're still that small team. But, um, you know, again, I, I think it's cool for people to, to realize that the, 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 the effort we did there is the same guys that, you know, are there doing the track days. And, um, you know, again, that was uh, it was a success. Make no make no mistake. Not the result we want on the leaderboard. But I will without a doubt, man. And it was fun to see Gianno. He wasn't taking it easy after uh, this incident. We watched him on a second or third lap out take the grass route down through the S's uh, because I think he got pushed off uh, the track a little bit there. Yeah, I think he was uh, like myself. And and honestly, I guess we'll talk about it in a second. I really didn't have a time to. We really didn't have time to kind of decompress or. Um, debrief because uh, obviously because of the schedule um, but I was myself a little shaken by how rough those guys you know play and I think he was too because he mentioned how you know people were just bumping each other left and right and I encourage anyone that wasn't there go watch the highlights mm-hmm. from the IMPC race um, the, the GS cars were playing even rougher um, I, I couldn't believe it and um, again even the WeatherTech race you know we saw how, how, how the, the win was determined Man, these guys play so rough, and, and I don't know if it was just this weekend because I've been to many Rolex 24s where I didn't see this, but there was something in the air this weekend where, um, I, I guess myself included, where we were just impatient, um, you know, and so uh, it's, uh, it wasn't just our car, uh, it was everyone, but um, yeah, something about this weekend, um, but he was he did a great job out there, and, and really Gianna was a rock star all weekend, and this is a, a kid, um, I know he's not really one of us um, in, our, in our circle, but I know him through racing, um, and he's 16 years old, um, and you will see him probably in the WeatherTech series, I would say in two years, and um, I, I, had the, I had a lot of say in who my teammate was in this, and again, this is just, again, going back to John, and um, you know, I knew he was going to be the right fit um, from from a lot of the people that we talked to. Um, he was one that could get the funding together, and and, and again, money's half this. It's the people, the other thing, and there are a lot of people that can get money together to do this, especially with us, and uh, because we're such a smaller team. But um, I, I wanted to do this with somebody that would appreciate it, and um, and, and he was definitely the one, and, and he did a rock. Uh, That's a rock incredible. Star job. And, and so you'll see him do this as a you wrap for a up. I, you I have took no the checkers as a team. 
you took the green, Gianna took the checkers, you guys finished Petit Le Mans race. That's incredible. But it didn't end there because you still have a whole week worth of right. uh, work to do. So what, what did you do right after your race as a very, very professional race car driver is known to do? <laughs> so, you know, so uh, obviously I, I'm still a little emotional about, about how, you know, I'm still really upset at the time. I'm really upset with myself that I let that happen. Um, you know, and again, now I've kind of wrapped my head around it and, and I'm okay with it. But at the, at the first couple of hours or two after that, I, I really wasn't okay. Um, I'm, I'm man up to admit that I was really upset with myself and the, and the circumstances that how that race went out. But, um, nevertheless, I looked at John, John comes back after the checkers. Um, and, um, I said, dude, we got one hour. Uh, he says, okay. I, I was like, so we helped the crew. We tear down the tent. We load everything up. Um, and one hour after the checkers, we're on the road to the airport to Hartsfield, and our flight is at 8.30 or something with the race ends at 5.30, so by now it's about 6.30. Hour to the airport, we should have time to spare. Wouldn't you believe um, when you're trying to rush, things happen, and I get a call, and John gets a call from the guys out in Oklahoma. Hey, guys, we've blown through all the brake pads we have. So I'm thinking, oh my God, well, what what help can I be to you with with getting your brake pads? So somehow John, when you're on the road, John organizes that his son's going to go to an advance, pick up every single all the brake pads they have, go to another one and pick up all the pads they have. So I think we end up having three or four sets, and he's going to meet us on the way. And I don't even know what the highways are out there. I think whatever I think it's like 285, whatever it's called, and he's going to meet us on the exit. So it works out. So. We're rushing. He, his son's getting brake pads. We have to stop, and um, we, 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 we meet up his son, get the brake pads, and we're now we're a little delayed waiting. So we continue. I'm doing. <laughs> I, I swear, I'm, I'm my, probably my your best fastest too, that right? Weekend was on the way to the airport. I promise you. Um, so I'm on the way. Probably my fa- yeah. I, I don't know what a peach pass is, but I don't have one. So you can go ahead and mail me those tickets for whatever I didn't have on my car. Um, but. Uh, then we get a call from uh, Sharice, John's <laughs> wife. Says, John, do you have the keys to the truck? <laughs> sure enough, he has the keys to the truck that's holding the, the IMSA car, and we have to have the cars out by 9. So we literally stop at a gas station. John throws <laughs> the keys at the attendant and says, my wife's going to come get these. Thank you. And we jump back in the truck. Um, going through downtown traffic is stopped and we know we're going to, I, I swear if you guys have ever watched 24, I can hear the clock in the background and we start getting to the exit on, on the way to the airport. And, I, and by now there's, I already know there's no, we're going to make it. I said, John, listen, we're not going to make it. Here's what I want you to do. He's like, okay, well, I said, I'm going to give you this bag. It has all the radios in it and take all the brake pads with you. I'm going to drop you at the front door, rush through, and you should you, you can maybe make it in time. But there's no way we're both going to make it. We're never going to be able to check these bags on. I said, just take the brake pads, take the radios, and you guys should be able to get through the weekend. And if I make it, I'll try to get a flight tomorrow. If not, no big deal. And and I swear <laughs> this is something out of like a movie. He says, Gino, <laughs> either we both go or we don't go. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, John, if this is how you want to play it. So he says, well, just go park in the hourly parking garage. My, I think, well, how much is that going to be? So he says, it doesn't matter. So we pull into the hourly parking garage. I, I throw the truck in park, and we start putting all these brake pads, and we throw all the radios, and we brought the alignment plates with us. So we have, a, like, two big check-in bags 
plus my uh, plus my backpack. I leave all my gear in the truck because I sent my I sent a, a gear bag on the way to Halle. So um, we should be able to breeze through. Well, you know we're in a rush because I'm walking my Johnson's Gina. I said, "What?" He says, "The truck." I look and I I park so quickly the truck's not even in the in the parking spot, sitting in the middle of the road. So I rush back, park the truck in the spot, and uh, we run to the to the Delta check-in line. We're we're sprinting, and mind you, we're carrying twelve radios, uh, four crew suits, alignment plates, six sets of brake pads, um, tools, anything that we needed for the weekend that we had to have at the IMSA race. We rush to the gate, and the guy says, "Hey, listen, you're not going to make it. They're, they're, you're not going to check these bags, and there's no way you're going to make the flight." And so I like, "Can we at least try?" So we go through security. Money, we're hauling all this luggage with us now. Yeah. Oh wait, and they were we suspicious the about the metal blocks in your bag, know Gino. Brake pads are. <laughs> they were suspicious about the the alignment plates. Then they said, "Listen, you guys have all these electronics." We're like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> So they make John go back and, sh- and put every single one of those 12 radios in bins to run through the, the x-ray machine. Through this all, we make it to the gate. And, and the gate, the guy looks at us like we're crazy because we have these gigantic bags full of tools. And uh, we had to check him at the gate. And, and, and somehow we made this flight. We were the last two on the flight. They were literally shutting the door. It was, this was like out of a movie. Um, and that we were going to the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And so I had this whole flight to think about how I messed this up and whatnot. And um, we land at Tulsa like at 11 o'clock at night. Um, we grab my rental car. We grab all of our tools. And uh, I said, John, have you eaten all day? And he says, I haven't eaten anything all day. And, and uh, we go to this IHOP, and uh, it's about midnight. And uh, we sit there, and we just kind of decompress. And we don't really say anything. We're all so tired. We're all so bummed about the whole thing. And um, – you know, again, it, it was tough because, you know, again, the, the, our, our bread and butter is WRL. And I have to go to this track I've never been to ever in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And this is literally in the middle of nowhere, uh, which is why they couldn't get brake pads. Um, and so we fly into Tulsa and uh, we drive out. And um, I have to start this race Saturday morning after knowing what just happened the day, day before. Um, and I kind of had to get all my, my confidence back. And uh, we started this race. And, uh, Saturday, um, I had to do double duty. I drove the 55 uh, car to, I think we finished, yeah, we finished second. And I also spent some time uh, as a teammate to, to, to Jack Fu and the David in the black 15 car and brought that car home fourth, I think it was. And then the next day, we ended up winning in the 15. And uh, I, spent a, I spent four hours on Sunday in the black 15 car uh, without a break in the rain. Um, and that car ended up finishing fifth. And so we claimed the, the Western WRL championship. And uh, I think we're leading the GP3 national championship. And uh, we're leading overall for the entire WRL championship. And um, we'll go to COTA in, uh, in December and try to uh, – or November? December? Yeah, December and try to win the whole thing. And, um, yeah, it, craziest weekend uh, – uh, craziest five days ever um, of my life. But, uh, you know, again, it was a, a cool experience. So many memories. <laughs> And uh, so many people just to, to make that whole thing possible. But, yeah, five days straight in a race car. Um, and, again, at some point, it's Without like, I can't doubt. believe that. What was it I like to, to start the WRL race compared so. to the IMSA race and to run it like you did? Um, so I think you guys have to realize that Halle Motor Racing Circuit <laughs> – 
is a place I never knew existed until two months ago when I found out we had to go there and race. And it's about an hour, I guess, north of Tulsa. Mm. And this is a, it's like a little Talladega track. And, um, and, and, and our, the pit lane isn't big enough for all the cars. So we were quite honestly, our pit lane was like in the parking lot kind of sort of, where you had to go through like potholes to get to the pit lane. Uh, And I'm not making this up. Anyone that was there will tell you this is true. Um, So that was interesting. Having never been there and my first laps were under green, um, it was cool, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still shaken from the mistake I made on uh, on at the race, and uh, you know to have to jump into another race car, um, and have to you know believe that hey, I still know how to do this and everything's gonna be okay. Um, we went straight to the lead, um, and it was pretty cool for me. It brought back all the confidence that I was like, hey, I still know how to do this. You know, again, I know how to drive a race car, and um, you know, really before I had a lot of time to really consider everything that happened. Um, you know, really, I think it was good for me because I think I would have carried that burden of, of, of not getting the result and, 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 and arguably making that mistake of being too aggressive. I think it would have stayed with me for a long time. So in a way, I'm really, really fortunate that the next day I got to go back into a race car. And even though it was my, my Miata at the middle of nowhere, Halle, uh, it really let me shake that, 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 that ghost off I had, you know, from, from the day before. And, um, you know, again, it was almost therapeutic just to get back in the race car. And, and it was all smiles because um, me and John had a lot of um, – and everyone involved. We had a lot, you know, involved in that IMSA program. And um, and, and now looking back, everyone – we did a good job, and it's good. But immediately after that, that, that feeling of, God, we really, you know, let one go here. Um, it was cool to, to go have that success and to go and win the, in the, in the wrap of a championship and to do it with, with people we like with WRL. Um, it was cool, and um, you know, again, and and in some ways, it was cool to represent them. And and at the awards ceremony on Saturday, you know, again, RJ who who runs WR, I was like, hey, you know, Gino was just a petit Le Mans, and and now he's here. Racing no doubt us. about so it. it. Cool so next up is Coda. You got to clinch. You've already clinched that, that a regional. Friday. Now you got to clinch a national with WRL. Yeah. So we we cl- we clinched the Eastern Championship at VIR, which was huge. Uh, we clinched the uh, we clinched the Western Championship uh, just because we happened to race all those races, and currently we are leading the GP3 National Championship, and we're also in the lead for the overall points championship, which is the entire WRL, the whole series, and we're leading that by two. The only reason we went to Halle was because we were trying to maximize our points, and uh, you have to do you know the more events you do, the better. And I really feel like we have a shot. Um, I think we've all but clinched the GP3 National Championship. Um, but to win a national championship with WRL um, overall would be really cool, especially to do it in Miatas. And, and a lot of people don't have respect for those cars. You know? And in WRL, we race amongst you know, other TCR cars and BMWs. And um, to go out there and put a program together um, to be able to compete for that and uh, to do it with pretty much you know, the same drivers in, in all of our cars. Uh, we, we had the opportunity to finish first, second, and third in GP3 for the, for the country. And uh, we had the opportunity to finish you know, first and overall. So we're going to try to do that. Um, you may or may not see us racing something else in between. Um, I'll just leave it at that um, because we still feel like there's we have unfinished business. So uh, I'll just let that for, for those people out there that are listening. Um, but, yeah, just to kind of wrap it up, you know, again, it's uh, really uh, an experience of a lifetime. Um, I, I, I really hope everyone knows. Everybody that sent me a message, a text, I read all of them. Even if I didn't respond, um, believe me, I, I know it. Um, just some people I got a shout out to. 
Um, Ted Danner Miller was there crewing for his car, and every time I walked past him, he would pat me on the back and say, man, you're doing a good job. You know, you're representing us well. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, so many people, Andrew Pinkerton, like I mentioned before, came out to help me, and that was tremendous. Um, all of the crew, the guys that we had out there was huge. Um, this was such an, uh, a community effort. Um, and, Rick, you can, you can relate to this. I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but yep. I actually contacted you, I think, Wednesday night asking you if you'd be willing to weld something for the pit lane we needed we we weren't sure if we needed cages for uh our 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 tanks our our nitrogen tanks and um i was like well i don't know anybody that i can weld you can't buy these i said wait a minute rick can and rick you were ready to stay up all night if you had to weld those for us and so that's the type of stuff i talked to johnny chachowski and he was like listen if you need somebody to weld them i can do it too so um so many people you know reached out to uh, to do this, and this was such a you know a a a, a cool thing because so many people um, you know contributed in some way or another uh, all from our community. So that was a uh, problem one of the that's coolest just things. incredible. So huge, all right, you know, close this out with that, words of wisdom for the guy to, that's to in yellow, in red, kind of had fun at ExoFest. We got a little wheel to wheel in red at ExoFest. He's thinking, man, I need to go race next season. What does he need to know? So, you know, I, th- this is, I, I, and again, I, I never thought I'd be this guy because I can actually tell you, you know, again, I have transitioned all the way from uh, literally running um, a chump car that was worth $500 to track. No, it's to, not. It's a 300 horsepower SUV. SUV. Is, a, is a 90 horsepower hatchback to. <laughs> well, that, that, that too. Um, I can say I've actually done the ladder and it sounds kind of surreal to do it but um to that guy in there that wants to go racing um and you've heard me say before actually go do it um but i can tell you this now it doesn't matter what you do and just go out there and do it get out there because you never know really what's going to take you um you know again reach out to me or you or anybody in this group that's done it and um just figure out how you can get on track whether it's a wrl race um, a lemons race, a champ car race, a NASA. I don't care what it is. If you guys want to do it, definitely go do it because you just never know where it's going to take you. Um, and again, too, this is a. I, again, if I if I if I if I die tomorrow, I can die knowing, hey, I I started from the very bottom um, of this hobby, uh, racing a, a chump car basically, um, and I can say I've done it at the highest level um, possible, and that's only because of literally the people that you know again that i've met along the way from the from the garages of 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 champ car to wrl to making friends there to this community that i'm in the track day community and um you know again this is really if you guys follow the follow the journey this has everything to do with the people that i've met and um again i'm not really knocking on doors you know again there's guys are hey can i you know can i can i be a pro race car driver with your team this is because I kind of met the right people, and um, my my biggest advice is if you're in our if you're in any of our groups, stick with this group because uh, you really don't ever. There you have it, where, folks. Where he started because, at the uh, bottom, now he's at the top. In our That's that Gino so Manley, so pro. <laughs> Man, Barbara's <laughs> gonna be a blast. About that, if but, you've listened uh, you know, to all of this, this uh, and I don't know I'm why you would because it was an incredible story. But uh, make sure that you sign up for a Friendsgiving at Barber, and uh, we'll have a little fun out there and, you know, misbehave just the right amount. 
Well, I got to tell you one quick thing before we, before we sign off. And um, that is the power of Valvoline. So obviously, as you know, Valvoline is a sponsor of our podcast. Well, Valvoline also sponsors probably the biggest podcast in sports car racing, a show called Dinner of the Racers. And they're, one of their hosts is, a, is another IMSA driver, a guy named Ryan Eversley, um, who I'm just kind of starstruck because I actually got to meet, but um, and I actually got to race with, go figure. But um, I never realized uh, the power of Patrick Doherty and Valvoline until this weekend when I was walking through the paddock and Ryan Eversley stopped me um, because he was gritted. He was, his hauler was next to me. I said, hey, Patrick <laughs> Doherty said, I have to meet you. And I couldn't believe that that actually happened. People around me couldn't believe that actually happened, that, that uh, Ryan Eversley himself would stop to, to, to say hello uh, because Patrick Doherty told him to. So I don't know what kind of That's power incredible. You know, the small little community has turned uh, into big got a lot things. Of racing It'll be exciting like. to see where it goes. Gino, thanks for coming on tonight and sharing all this. What a ride. <laughs> what a ride it was. Got Thank it. you again to everybody that played a part in this. All right, um, man. I guess Dude, I'll- that-